Today we're going to be looking at a subject, and it was almost humorous as I thought about this, because for years and years and years I have read articles, and uh, there are certain reasons that people give for not attending church. And one of the reasons that's always fairly high on that list is that people say, well, when I go to church, all they ever talk about or all they ever mention is money. That's all they ever deal with is money. Money, money, money. <laughs> so, and of course, if you have been with us at Pleasant Union during the time here, I mention money and giving when it comes up in the context of Scripture. So, so if you're here today visiting... The reasons we're dealing with issues of giving today is because the Scripture is dealing with issues of giving. Amen? And so it is quite appropriate that we do that. We live in a politically correct culture, don't we? Got to be careful what you say. You sometimes got to be careful who you say it to. Things can easily be taken out of context. And quite frankly, in the, in the you know, the, those of you that work in the public sector, work in various jobs, know you can make a statement, and if that statement is sometimes taken the wrong way, misconstrued, whatever the case may be, or maybe you didn't have the best intentions when you made that statement, you could literally lose your job, your livelihood, over a certain sentence or a word, you can lose a job. Words can be emotionally charged they can be that's the world in which we live I'm getting ready to use a word that I rarely use from this pulpit but I will use it when I feel it's needed that's the H word before you think too much I better tell you what it is okay because I just thought of another H word no it's not that word okay the H word is heresy Heresy. Heresy. You might say, well, what's the deal with heresy? Let me tell you this. If you say something is heretical, you better know what you're talking about. It better be based on the truth of Scripture. If you state something is heretical. Let me say this. Concerning giving and finances... There are two extremes in churches today that if taken to their, their conclusion, either extreme can be and is many times heretical. And as an introduction to these verses, I'm going to mention this to you and tell you what those two extremes, if taken you know, to where they normally go, many times they are heretical. It's two different gospels. It is the prosperity gospel, and it is the poverty gospel. Both of those are extremes, if taken the wrong way, and to their logical conclusion, yes, can be heretical, completely inconsistent with God's Word. Well, I don't have all day to explain the first one, but that's the prosperity gospel. And if you've been with me for a while, uh, years ago I came across this little saying, uh, which, which really explains a lot of things about the prosperity gospel and people who think this way. And, and it is uh, the name it and claim it, folks. Name it and claim it, so the, the, the joke goes, grab it and blab it. Name it and claim it, grab it and blab it. It, it is this. 
God, yes, we looked at Psalm 1 and we've looked at Joshua 1 and we've looked at numerous, numerous places in Scripture where God has promised that He will prosper believers. Men and women of faith, God has promised that He would prosper. So, so, so there, there is truth there. There is truth that God brings prosperity. But where He gets off base is this. For that prosperity... becomes attached with things like money, fortune, fame, position, that in and of itself you can desire anything you want and it will be done. In other words, I name and claim a million dollars. Well, I can name and claim that all day, but that's not going to happen. Where it really gets heretical are churches, and sometimes television programs or internet or radio or whatever else it may be tied to, when these concepts are tied into something that some people call seed faith, but see, even in Scripture, there's something about, see, if we had the faith of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. I mean, great things could happen. See, see there, there's truth there, but, 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 but that nugget is taken to mean something else. In other words, if you, uh, and, and this has actually happened in some churches where, you know, you come and you lay X number of dollars down on these steps, God, you lay a thousand, God will give you ten thousand. You, you lay, you lay ten thousand, God will give you one hundred thousand, and on and on it goes. Folks, God has not promised that. We will see in the context of Scripture today that God has promised to meet our needs. God shall supply our needs. At times, those needs are economic. God has promised to provide. But I tell you this, the greatest prosperity again is that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest prosperity and joy and meaning that we can have in our lives is that relationship with Him. That's true prosperity. My true prosperity is the fact, again, I have a relationship with the Creator of this universe. Aren't you thankful for that? The Creator of this universe, we can have a relationship with Him? Yes. It's not just a name it and claim it kind of thing, folks. But there's heretical teaching on the other extreme as well. That's the poverty gospel. There are people who believe if you are poor in this life, you will go to heaven because you were poor in this life. And that's just as far off as the other extreme. Now, Jesus ministered to the poor. Jesus loved the poor, but, but Jesus made it very clear, the poor shall always be with you. And I don't know whether you realize this or not, but yes, there can be greed involved in prosperity. But let me tell you this, 
And I know uh, Tony Marino actually gave, gave this illustration that was quite interesting where he said this. Two people are living, two families are living in mud huts. But one family has a little bit of metal over their mud hut. The other family is envious because of the metal in the mud hut. Let me tell you this, we don't get to God because of our material poverty. All who come to God come only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now with that introduction, what is God teaching us about partnership in giving? Partnership to share the gospel. I think some very important things. Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. So through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Paul is commending the church at Philippi that they gave when there was a great need, when there was distress in Paul's life. Let me point out something else, a little point just to, just to remember. Now, now, this is not a statement taken out of the Bible, but uh, it most certainly needs to be applied to our lives. Need, need, N-E-E-D. I have, if you're visiting today, I have an East Tennessee accent, so occasionally I have to have an interpreter. Need, need does not necessitate a call. Need does not necessitate a call. That means God does not call us to run to, to, uh, to address every single need on the face of this earth. God doesn't call us to do that. He doesn't. Need does not necessitate a call. There was a need here that God wanted addressed. And the church at Philippi was able to address that need. You have done well that you shared in my distress, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. In other words, there probably were other churches that, that, that already had been established that needed to be given, but, but they were not giving. The church at Philippi was. And we'd have to go back to Acts chapter 16 and, and Acts chapter 17 and we would see this laid out. Because you see, the next verse it talks about Thessalonica. Thessalonica but it was in the greater Macedonia as well. Verse 16 says, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So even when Paul went to Thessalonica, the, the church at Philippi continued to give. Why did they continue to give? They desired to honor God, first of all, and they desired again that God's kingdom would be advanced, that God's kingdom would move forward, that people would be reached with the saving message of Jesus Christ. I believe that was foundational for their giving. That's why they gave for the gospel to go out. And here we find a great example. Verse 17, Paul states, Not that I seek the gift, 
but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Not that I seek the gift. Paul had come to the point to know that God would provide for him. Let me ask you this question. Have you come to the point in your spiritual life to know that God will provide for you? Have you come to that point? Have you come to that point? I pray you have. I pray you have. Not that I seek the gift. This says something about the Apostle Paul, and and quite frankly, we need to apply it to our own lives. We need to apply it to the life of the church as well, at Pleasant Union and even beyond here. Not that I seek the gift. Now, is it appropriate at times to let let needs be known? And, of course, the answer is what? The answer is yes, it's appropriate at times to let needs be known. But Paul was not manipulating. He he, he wasn't... Paul didn't come to him and say, if you give to my ministry, you're going to get blessed. Paul didn't say that. It's interesting, as much as Paul says, he doesn't just throw, quite frankly, kind, nice, sugary words their way. Paul points the giving back to God. When money comes in the plate, so to speak, and comes in different ways, but we'll just use the plate as an example. Yes, leadership here has a responsibility of stewardship. But I hope when you give in this place, you see yourself giving to God and not to men. You give to Him. Not because God has needs financially. God does not. We give because God has given so much to us. It's just, it, it's just a return, an act of worship back to Him. See, giving, giving is, a, is, is a way we worship God. Could we ever give God enough to, for, for what He's done for us? Absolutely not. That's what the word grace is all about, right? The unmerited favor of God. We're saved by grace through faith. The unmerited favor of God. We could never do anything to deserve salvation, our relationship with Him. So when we give, it's just a form of worship. And that's exactly what's taking place here. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Your account. Alistair Begg, I don't know if he's on TV or not, he's on radio, some of he, he may well be on TV and some of you may have heard that name or listened to him. Alistair Begg stated this, and I do enjoy he- hearing him whenever I have the opportunity uh, preach God's Word. He says it's okay, he said it's good to have an IRA. He said that can be a good thing, to have an IRA, individual retirement account. But Alistair Begg said that's not the account you need to be concerned about. You need to be concerned about not your IRA, but your IEA. And he called the IEA this, 
your individual eternal account. Your individual eternal account is what Begg said. That's, that's the account we need to be concerned about. It's good if you have an IRA. Thank the Lord for that. But your individual eternal account. Remember what Jesus said? Lay up treasures where? Did he say lay up treasures on this earth? No, he said lay up treasures where? In heaven. The moths are not going to be able to come in and get it in heaven. The thieves are not going to be able to break in and steal in heaven, right? No, it's not going to corrode in heaven or do anything like that. Lay up the treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus has taught us. And that's what we see lived out in these verses as well. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Verse 18, indeed, I have all and abound. You know, a few weeks ago, in the last two or three weeks, we looked at the previous verses where Paul declares, I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I've learned to do without, but he says I've learned to have more. And it doesn't matter. That's not the issue. Remember, we talked about what contentment was. It means to be independent of circumstances. Paul learned that. And here he's saying again, I have, I have all and abound. I am full, he says. Having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What's Paul doing here? He's given us these beautiful words that remind us of a sacrifice in the Jewish system. You know, what we, you know what we provide now if we go to Romans 12 and, and other places back this up? Our bodies as what? We're to give ourselves completely to God. He's done the sacrifice for, for us on the cross, but we give ourselves to Him, amen? We give ourselves to Him. He paid the price. Again, He was the ultimate sacrifice. sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19 says, And my God, my God, shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? Let's, let's examine just for a moment what it does not say. It does not say, my God shall supply all of your wants. It does not say that God will always supply and give you the biggest and the best. If He does, thank the Lord. Amen? But that's not what it says. It states this, My God shall supply all of your need. You know, when I think about this, I think back to Genesis 22. 
I think about Abram. I think about Abraham being called to give Isaac his son as a sacrifice. And then, as he was coming to the point of obedience, because God had called him to give his son as a sacrifice, he looked and that ram was in the thicket. And God revealed himself to Abraham just like God reveals himself to us as believers today as well. He revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God who provides. God is a God who provides. God shall supply all of your needs. All of your need, the verse goes on, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can't put a price tag on that. You can't. I dare say there are people in here today that have a lot of different kinds of needs. Some you can express to other people and others you may not be able to to verbalize to anyone, but God knows. My God, he says, shall supply all of your need. It is for his honor and glory. Do you take your needs to him? As I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of a, of a verse and went back and brought it back in my mind and heart, and that was out of uh, Psalm 37, where the psalmist declared this, I once was young, but now am old. I once was young, but now am old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging bread I want, I want to repeat that again I once was young but now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread let me tell you this the righteous have never been forsaken and never will be You might say, Pastor, again, who are the righteous? It's those of us who are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're righteous in his sight. Does this mean that you'll never have any financial issues in your life? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that you'll never have any health issues in your life? No, it doesn't mean that either. Does it mean that you'll never have any relationship issues in your life? No, it doesn't mean that either. But what it means is this, going back to the Psalms as well. And this Psalm is sometimes, and this verse is sometimes taken out of context. Where the scripture says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, you might say, Pastor, does that mean I can have anything I want to give? No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means is this. As we delight ourselves in God, in our relationship with Him, in, in His Word, as we delight ourselves in Him, the desires that we have change and the desires that we have become His desires. Now think about that just for a moment. Whose desires are you better off with, yours or God's? God's. God's. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Aren't you thankful for that? I am. This book concludes by stating this. Verse 21, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now there is one real interesting phrase here. It's all good, but really, really interesting. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Let me tell you this. The emperor was a reprobate. The emperor was a major sinner. All sin separates us from God, okay? The emperor did not, Caesar did not love the things of God. What happened? What happened? God broke through. God broke through. We're not sure exactly at what level. We're not sure who these names are. But in Caesar's household, God broke through and saved and changed lives. Let me say this. If God can do that in Caesar's household, I want to give you some good news right now. The Senate, the House, the Supreme Court, every area of government is not beyond His reach. He can do it there as well. He can do it there as well. I have prayed several times, and I hope you have as well. If not, you will before tomorrow night. The decision may well have been made. God knows that decision. I'm praying for a godly person on the Supreme Court. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for somebody that honors God, honors His Word. That's who I'm praying for. I don't know what that name or who that person is, but God knows. God knows. And let me tell you this, if God can save someone again in Caesar's household, He can save every last one of them on the Supreme Court. God can do that. He's a great, mighty, and an awesome God. Let me ask you as we prepare for the invitation, let me ask you this, a few questions. Is your giving about you? Or is your giving about God?
I'm not aware of it up to this point in this church, but let me tell you this. I have been aware of something I'm getting ready to say in some, of, not all, but some of my previous churches. Where if people gave, they thought they had a right to control. That's dangerous, folks. I have not personally encountered it in this church. I pray that I never will. Because that's a dangerous thing. I've been in churches where I have encountered it. Is your giving about you or is it about God? His kingdom come. His will be done. Do you acknowledge the source of everything you have or anything you ever will have? And that's God. Do you acknowledge Him as the source? Going back to the last couple of weeks, the next question is this. This is, this, we learned from the previous sermons, this is learned. It don't just pop in your mind. This is learned. Are you learning to be content in what you have and where you are? Are you learning to be content? And do you acknowledge that God will supply all of your need? Be anxious for nothing earlier in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, 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 which again, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. God will provide. Amen? Could be in this place today, though, the greatest need you have is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have not repented of your sin and turned in faith to Jesus Christ, that's where you need to start today. Come to Jesus today. Come to faith in Him today. Whatever need you have to bring, bring those needs to the Savior today. Bring it to Jesus today. Because He knows already, doesn't He? He knows already. As the worship leaders come, please stand again for this time and this period of invitation.